Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. You're listening to On the Environment, a podcast series from the Yale Center for Environmental Law and Policy. For more information, visit the website at envirocenter.yale.edu. Hi, my name is Ivana Andrade, and I'm a research assistant at the Yale Center for Environmental Law and Policy. Today, I'm in the studio with Alexander Fabeg, a Yale World Fellow this year. Alexander Fabeg is currently a strategic policy advisor on global issues at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in the Netherlands. Prior to his current position, he served as policy coordinator for the Gulf region, with postings in Vienna, Bonn, and London. Currently, he works on international issues, especially as they pertain to water, food, energy, and resources. Alexander, thank you for being with us here today. Thank you for inviting me. You collaborate increasingly with governments, businesses, think tanks, and civil society groups to look for solutions to environmental and social problems. Would you mind explaining what role social media and Twitter in particular has played in this facet of your job? And what brought you to the platform to begin with? I discovered Twitter now only two years ago. In the summer, on a holiday, I didn't have much to do. I knew I would start a new job, and I wanted to read a bit into the new issues that I would be working on, like climate change, and water and energy, food, and resources. And I quickly discovered that Twitter, which I had previously seen as something I really didn't understand what it was about. I'd, I'd seen it as people, you know, sending out a tweet. I'm, I'm standing in line in, in the supermarket and I'm bored. I found out that there was actually a very lively professional debate going on on Twitter. And it became for me rapidly a source of, of, of information. And it gave me ideas on what to do. And so soon after, I started to retweet some things from other people. And later, I found my own sources and started to send that out. And I found out that I rapidly got more followers. I started to follow these people. And it created a community of people that were dealing with the same issues that I was dealing with. And I've been doing that ever since. What do you think are some of the benefits uh, to using Twitter? What what are some of the main benefits you've gotten out of using it for the, over the last two years? First of all, it's as I just said, a fantastic source of information. It's just it's so rich on on the latest reports that come out of it, etc. I'm always ahead of 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 my peers in the latest information that I have. The second thing is that you reach out to people with the information that you want to spread yourself. So you, um, and that's maybe the third thing, you create a network of people. And I have seen that Twitter has given me a lot of opportunities to talk about what my Ministry of Foreign Affairs is doing or to spread out information that I come across that I think is, is useful for the debate on these, let's say, planetary issues. So it's a um, source of information, it's a networking tool, um, it is uh, maybe as, as last thing, it's also fun to do. You meet a lot of people. There's often when I come into a conference or a meeting where I think I don't know anybody, there's always some people coming up to me saying, hey, I know you from Twitter. So has it changed, in what ways has it changed 
your day-to-day work? Some of your inter- does it change your interactions with coworkers or change the type or the manner in which you work on projects? It has changed my work in many ways. Uh, first of all, looking at my coworkers, all that that rich information that I always get. I'm always the first to get the latest reports that come out. I share that with my coworkers. Another thing that I share with my colleagues is the most useful information that I find in these reports. I put them all in in one document, which is accessible to all my colleagues. And with a simple search function, they can always, if let's say if somebody wants to do a speech on, let's say, wildlife crime or whatever, then they only have to go to that document that I created, and that gives them access to uh, the best uh, graphs and the mm-hmm. best pictures and the best articles and the best data that I found. And we keep that up to date. There's always one of our interns is working on it to keep it up to date. I just sent them the information. Um, so that's a rich source of information. Uh, I always try to convince my colleagues that they should get active on the social media, whether it's on a Facebook page page, or whether it's on Twitter. I think everybody should also use LinkedIn. On getting out on the social media helps in the modern way that we approach diplomacy, which is diplomacy is now unlike, let's say, the kind of secretive and elitist image that it used to have in, let's say, the previous century. Nowadays, diplomacy is a very open networking exercise where you work with so much more stakeholders than just other diplomats. And drawing on on that that point, how do you think young professionals, young environmentalists can use Twitter to their advantage? I just gave a talk on that, as, as they call it here at Yale, a master's tea, where the master of Calhoun House had invited me to speak to students on the use of Twitter in diplomacy. And I I also try to draw some some lessons for them, what they could do with it. I believe the same uh, networking aspect that I just mentioned is very important for students because students, once they finish at the university, it's always one of those very difficult moments in life that when you really step into society, how do you do that? And what you need, and I believe nowadays, maybe even more than, than, than decades ago, you need a network to find a place in society. And social media can provide you that network. And social media can also enhance, let's say, your 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 image. It's a kind of branding of yourself. It shows to everybody that can approach you on social media in what issues are you interested and how active are you on these issues. Speaking of network, can you describe a little bit how you came to be a Yale World Fellow? <laughs> that was... This surprising moment for me that at a certain moment I was followed by the Twitter handle of Yale World Fellows. And I, to be honest, I, I'd heard of Yale, of course, but I'd never heard of the Yale World Fellows. So I, I opened that account and I started to follow what the Yale World Fellows are doing. And what I found out is that the Yale World Fellows is an initiative that started 13 years ago where every year... 16 people from all over the world and from all walks of life are invited to come to Yale and to be here for one semester, the fall semester, and where they have 
their own program, but where they also very actively integrate into the Yale Society. You can follow classes, but you can give speeches. You can do a podcast interview. You can do all kinds of things uh, at Yale. And all of these uh, 16 that are around now, they've become really good friends. And they I see them every day reaching out to, to all sectors within uh, the Yale University. After that, you remain a World Fellow. So there's now 257 Yale World Fellows all over the world. And they are kind of, let's say, ambassadors for Yale. They can be approached by Yale for uh, either sending out information, getting information, helping with uh, forming networks. And they also stick together a lot. I've already met so many other Yale World Fellows in the six weeks that I was here. I was just yesterday meeting one um, uh, Vince Perez from the Philippines. We were together in a, a board meeting. He was a Yale World Fellow in 2005. He's still very much connected to, to Yale, for instance, in the advisory board on the Center for Business and Environment at Yale. So returning uh, to your work as a diplomat in relation to Twitter, how would you say, what impact does Twitter have on the connection between your work as a diplomat and your your work and your thoughts as an environmental advocate? Well, by working on these issues and by everything that I read on Twitter and, of course, in the normal reports that I get in, 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 in my work as a, as a diplomat in the Netherlands, um, I became more and more aware of how serious climate change is and other environmental changes that we globally see in the world. Look at, for instance, the pollution in the oceans, the heating of the oceans, the plastic there, but also the... Uh, the dying out of species at an unprecedented rate um, and all kinds of other issues. Um, first of all, I'm a diplomat, so I don't want to describe myself as an activist, but I am uh, actively working on spreading out reliable information through social media, but also in the speeches that I make to create awareness of this problem um, of which my government is very much aware and we really want to, to work on this. And uh, we do a lot of initiatives in this field. But it's important that the general public also gets to know more about what is going on. And it's also combining diplomacy with Twitter is also a tool to show what my government is doing on these issues. What are some of the limitations of Twitter? How have you responded to this tendency for the like-minded to congregate even in a, in a virtual realm? Well, there are risks, of course, in the use of Twitter. With every tweet that I write before I send it out, and I send out, I don't know, some five or 6,000 tweets by now, I always double-check for a moment, okay, is this something where I might give the wrong message? Because I do it, you know, as, as on, on, on my personal name, I send out tweets on Twitter. So it's not, let's say, a professional activity. But anything that you that you do uh, in, in the role as a diplomat can always be seen as something that you do for your government. So I, I, although I don't give that interpretation, I'm aware that other people might give it that interpretation. And so I always double check. Um, one thing, for instance, that I'm all, always careful about 
<clears throat> is if you uh, normally attach a picture or a graph or a map to something. If you attach maps, there are so many sensitivities about maps, you know, which borders, whatever. It is not that if I send out a map from somebody else that I'm saying that I fully agree to everything on that map. But still, there can be obvious things where 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 you can can where you have to be aware of sens- sensitivities between countries. Twitter may actually be a va- valuable way for citizens to become more familiar with basic science science concepts behind climate change, for example. Do you think it is also a way for scientists to communicate with greater effectiveness with the public? Yes, and I believe they should because there's a huge gap between the knowledge that the scientists have and basically all scientists apart for for one or two that you can you can easily indicate basically all scientists agree on climate change it is not even 20th century it is 19th century knowledge that the co2 layer in our atmosphere um, keeps the heat in, which is actually a good thing. If we would not have CO2, it would be much too cold on the Earth. And it was also in the 19th century already um, uh, found by scientists that if you increase through burning fossil fuels, if you increase the amount of CO2, that it gets hotter on the Earth. So although the spe- specific numbers weren't really known at that time, roughly by about, let's say, the the early 1980s, scientists knew that we were burning way too much fossil fuels and that this would have an impact. We're now in the phase that we're actually seeing this impact much earlier than than many people had thought. Um, To get this message across to the general public is very difficult because science is... You know, you have to work with uncertainties. Um, there's always, you know, margins of error, etc. Especially on when you get more into details. If you look at one specific area or one specific short time frame, um, mistakes can be made. It doesn't change the general picture that that the globe is is heating up and that it will have massive effects. So, promoting this awareness is something where social media can play a role. I would wish that. You know, the general media would spend more time on this issue as well because it will have such a massive impact on the lives on our planet, certainly in the second half of this century. It is our children that we are talking about. and Anybody that has children should be aware of what kind of planet their child is going to live on. How would you say Twitter has transformed your conversations, not just with colleagues, but with friends and acquaintances? I tend to talk not too much with my friends and acquaintances on this issue because then I, you know, when you're together and you have a dinner or you drink a beer, you don't want somebody to ramble on the whole time about the issues that that he is concerned about. What I do notice is that in the Netherlands you don't have Let's say here in America, the debate is so polarized. I don't see that so much in in Europe. In Europe, the issue is a bit different than uh, than the two camps that you have in America. In Europe, it's more that most people um, are aware that something is going on, but they don't follow it uh, that intensely. They don't know yet that it's going to hit us so much sooner and so much faster than 
um, than we sold, let's say, 10, 15 years ago. To give one example, the IPCC, that is the, the independent panel working for the UN of all these scientists that produce every f- so often, so many years, a report on, um, on on the state of affairs of what we know on climate change. In their latest report, the fourth report in, I think, 2007, they predicted that the in the, in the summers on the North Pole, there would still be ice on the North Pole for the next 150 years or so. By now, we will soon see the latest report, the fifth report, will, will come out uh, very soon. Um, there, the predictions go in direction of, I don't know exactly what they will say, but let's say anything between maybe five and 30 years from now. So only in seven years' time, a prediction of some disaster that's going to hit us in 150 years is now got gotten so much closer. You and I in our lifetimes will see in the months of September completely ice-free North Pole. So many of these predictions have come yeah, have come worse and have come, come in, in time frame closer to us. That awareness is certainly not enough among uh, among the general public. In responding to this increasing sense of crisis, impending crisis, do you think that, that something like Twitter, I mean, it's a, a social platform, a social media platform, do you think that Twitter has a, has a role to play in advancing a more integrated conversation about how to approach it These does, problems? although there's a, there's a caveat there. If I look, I got now 34,000 followers. I think many of them are in a group that is already aware how bad this is. And they are like me. They, they got worried about this and they started to be active on Twitter. So we are, you know, convincing each other and we are already convinced. So that group is 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 a different group. Then there's the group that will never ever be convinced. I got quite a few that sometimes pop up on my Twitter account and are, that they are selling that they're telling that I'm selling complete nonsense and that uh, climate change is a complete hoax and that it's not at all true. Whatever I will send out, I will not convince them. It's a small group. We tend not to follow each other so much. So what I do aim for is that group in the middle that is kind of, you know, vaguely aware that something is going on, but they don't know enough about it, that I provide them with more information. And I hope to target that group in convincing them that something is going on. And all these impacts, or let's say all these little activists, you know, people that do a little bit to spread more information about what's going on, they are successful. If you look at the protest march, or it's not a protest march, let's say the, the, the march to ask for attention, that we recently saw in New York with 400,000 people in the street and then in, I think it's 162 countries all over the world where people are marching to ask attention for climate. That is unprecedented. I think the previous march, if I remember correctly, was like one or two years ago in Washington, there was something like 80,000. So the public is getting aware and they are getting concerned and that is necessary for governments to take action because the uh, finally the impact of what the general public thinks about these issues will impact the policies that are made and it will also 
impact consumer behavior and therefore it will impact what businesses are doing so and and i believe that it should be a a effort between everybody that's involved it's not just a a government task to solve this government can uh, when they work together they can create conditions that we can tackle this problem but it's a task for each and every one of us it it starts with yourself and turning out the lights in the room that you're not sitting in or not putting the air conditioning up too high it's also for businesses to become more sustainable we ultimately have to go in in the decades to come to a completely different economy which uses as little as possible fossil fuels and use alternative forms of energy and becomes more energy efficient. So that is the direction we we should move into. And one final question about Twitter and and your thoughts on its utility. What would you say to a, whether it's an environmentalist or a young professional, what would you say to them about getting a new Twitter account or getting a Twitter account to start out? Uh, What's your advice to somebody who's maybe skeptical of yet another social media platform? I was skeptical as well on on Twitter. And my advice would be just take one hour and just do it. Make a Twitter account. takes you like five minutes. And then use the search function to look for the issue that you're interested in. Just type it in. You'll soon find a few people that are very actively tweeting about these issues or official institutions. And then when you find, let's say you want to know more about energy, that is your issue. Then you could go, for instance, to uh, the IEA, the International Energy Agency. They send out tweets with the latest information. And then at the International Energy Agency, on, on their Twitter handle, you see that they have lists so they will have a list on, they probably have a list on solar energy and nuclear energy and renewables and, and oil and gas. And then start following people that they have put on these lists because an institute like like this, they will put people on the list to follow that they believe have interesting information to share. So quickly by following lists of others, you get into a community that daily sends out interesting information on the subject that you're interested in. Thank you so much, Alexander, for giving us a view into Twitter and some of your thoughts on um, how it can be used and how it's useful in, in your work as a diplomat and to confront some of our issues, our environmental and social issues. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me, Havana.